All right. Everybody say humility. You know, we are, are winding up our series on humility, and, and it's amazing because uh, God always puts you in situations that how are you going to handle that humility? How are you going to handle that humbleness? And, and as we were doing this dedication, I was thinking uh, just what happened on last Wednesday. Uh, you know, my youngest granddaughter was coming home after the ball game to spend the night with us, and we're in the parking lot uh, of the middle school at Moberly. And there's a couple of the t- faculties, the teachers of, of Moberly High School, Moberly Junior High, administrators walking around us. And, um, and so out of the blue, uh, my youngest granddaughter, who has no filter, um, she, she, she goes, Grandma, Papa punched me in the nose and made it bleed. I'm like, where'd that come from? And, and now she had spent the night a day or two before and, uh, and so there was a couple of stains. I thought she had had a popsicle that, that melted on the bed because she eats popsicles for breakfast in the bed because I'm a grandparent. We can do that. But anyway, it wasn't that. Well, she had somewhere had a bloody nose in the middle of the night, and she decided to throw me under the bus that I had punched her in the nose. I did not punch her in the nose. And, and, and I told her, I said, Ellie, you're going to get me hotlined, and I'm going to go to jail uh, because, of, because of what you're saying. And uh, kids, it's, it's amazing what they do. And, but you love them and you embrace them and you don't get mad and you press forward. Amen? John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And, and we're closing down the series on humility. And it's really talking about humble greatness. And, and I believe Jesus really here puts this in the big picture of what humility and greatness look like in the same frame. And Jesus gives us this picture in John chapter 15, and he teaches us humility about the vine and the branches. And what I love about Jesus is how profoundly simple he makes things for us. In John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. I am the vine, and you are the branches. A very simple picture of two things that we need to remember if we're going to live a humble and a great life that God intends us to live. That he is the vine and we are the branches. And before I pray, I I just want to honor a couple of people uh, because uh, it made me think of all the pumpkin vines are in the back. But but on Father's Day, uh, Tom, Jennifer, and Blaine Grant, Tom was no longer with us. He went home to be the Lord in May. But Jennifer and her son Blaine, in honor of Father's Day, went out and planted the pumpkin field. And it's been neat to do that. So you, after service, you go out and, and get a pumpkin for your family, enjoy it, get photo ops. They've worked tremendously hard. But, but uh, Tom, Jennifer, and Blaine Grant, uh, if you see them, tell them thank you. Michael and Mindy Cunningham, who got us a bunch of pumpkins. Uh, also, so you could be blessed, Luke and Shirley McDonald. Uh, Paige Comstock, they have, you give them a great big hand clap because I just want to honor them. And they set the bar high and so we're excited, but let's pray. Father God, for the next 15 minutes, Father, you don't desire us to live a burdensome life. You don't want our life spinning out of control from our career to our relationships. But Father, you desire us to live a great life. And a great life is bearing fruit, and bearing fruit that lasts. 
So Lord, as we unpack John chapter 15 today, as we close up this humility series, that that we can be great and have humility at the same time. And Holy Spirit, that's what we ask that you teach us, that, that people don't see arrogance, but they see a humbleness, but they also see the greatness of God flowing out of us. But Father, it all goes back that you, you, Jesus, are the vine and we're the branch. And you say that we need to stay connected to you 100%. And so, Father, that's what I hope to convey today in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. So the reality, none of us have a problem-free life, amen? But all of us can have a fruitful life. We won't have a problem-free life, but we can have a fruitful life that God is there in our lives. And not just a fruitful life that comes and goes, but a fruitful life that remains. And so the question is, how do I do that? Two things Jesus very simply said in John chapter 15, that he is the vine and we are the branches. So the first thing that I want to unpack is we are the branch. Everybody say, I am the branch. And in studying people, I've learned that when they are successful and there's a humble greatness in their life, that first of all, they know their identity in Christ. They know who they are in Christ. They know, as the Bible says, that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's biblically one of the keys to living a a blessed and fruitful life. And in John 15, Jesus compares our our life to a vineyard. And as you begin to read it and you begin to unpack it, you see, first of all, that God is the gardener. God is the one who is taking care of the garden. Then he says, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Some believe, I'm not an agricultural expert, but reading on it, some agricultural experts believe that the grapevine is, or the grape vineyard is the most difficult of all to maintain and pursue. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes constant care more than any type of other agriculture. And much to our relief, that is for us not to worry because God is the gardener and not you and I. See, the problem is we try to become the gardener, but we're really just the branch. Everybody say the branch. God is the one who provides the care. God is the one who tends over your life. That's what Matthew 6 is all about. Matthew 5 is all about. And when you think about, man, if God is the gardener, then I can wipe the spoil away from my brow, say, woo, that I don't have to worry about maintaining the garden of my life. Jesus is the vine. The vine is where you draw life-giving, fruit-bearing strength from the soil that flows into the branches. And Jesus will give you, and he promises you to give you an abundant life, an overflowing life, a life that you can't even think or imagine in your life. But the question is this. Have you ever tried letting anything else be your vine in your life besides Jesus? Think about our lives. Have we all pursued happiness? Have we pursued joy? Have we pursued purpose? Think about this. Have we pursued pain management in our lives that is not godly or biblically? Don't worry about anything or stress about everything, but cast all your cares on me. But how many times do we cast our cares on the Father, yet we try to do something else? Or we think, man, I'll just do this, and, and we're stimulated for a moment, but not for a lifetime. And Jesus simply longs for us to remember this simple truth. He is the only place for us to find the life of God or the Zoe life, the the God life. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
The Bible says he is the vine and you are the branch. So what is the job of the branch? The job of the branch is to simply stay attached 100% to the vine. 100%. And we have to look at our lives and examine our lives and say, am I, am I attached to the vine? Have I been slightly clipped from the vine? Because when the branch stays attached to the vine, 100%, it stays in the constant care of the gardener. And it will draw life from the vine. When you're dependent on the vine, that's where life, and that's where growth, and that's where fruitfulness, and that's like where zeal and that fervor that, that we talked about are found in there. I am the branch. That's who I am. Everybody say, I am the branch. And if you're like me, you've got to remind yourself every day that you're the branch. You're not the vine. You're not the gardener. You're the branch. And the branch, my calling is to fulfill God's desire for me to be fruitful in my life. What is fruit? The branch simply reproduces the life that's in the vine. The fruit is being like Jesus Christ. Not just in our thoughts, but in our actions. And the more that we become like Jesus Christ, the more fruitful our life is. Well, where do you start? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love and joy and peace. Patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Man, that's how you know if your life's being fruitful. It's not all the stuff that you can do. It's not even all the gifts flowing through you. But are you, are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you faithful? Are you patient? The vine gives life to the branch. As I said last week, you'll know them by their fruit. But one warning before we move on, what are these called? Shears. And you know what? When you're a branch, God expects you to bear fruit. And in order to be fruitful, guess what? You've got to be pruned. And if we don't understand pruning, we'll get mad at God, we'll hate being a Christian, We'll be confused the rest of our life when we go through difficult times in our life. And because we think, man, God's doing great things in my life. I'm growing. God's doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, snip. God, why did you do that? That was my best looking offshoot, God. It had great leaves on it, God. And naturally and spiritually, vines need drastic pruning to be fruitful. The gardener, naturally, the gardener will cut off 70 to 90% of the new growth of a grapevine every year. 70 to 90%. God, I'm growing, I'm doing this. And let's be real, pruning hurts, amen? God cuts a relationship out of your life that you want to have. It's not supposed to be there. Sniff. God cuts something out of your life. He tells you to fast or he tells you to give something up. Because I'll be honest with you, when he told me to give up R-rated movies, it was like, snap. When he told me to, to give up a lot of hobbies and blend my whole life into ministry and family and different things like that, and he told me to give up selling, and I love selling, it was snip. And selling's not a bad thing. Pruning hurts. And there's no pruning without pain. There's no pruning without pain. But pain is the promise of greater fruit. Pain is the promise of greater fruit in your life. 
And if you study grapevines, it's interesting. Because in the spring season, when you look at grapevines, they're a bunch of look like dry sticks. There's no leaves, there's no fruit. They don't look like anything, but really just ugly as a whole. And, and those leaves start falling off, and, and that grapevine looks at its worst point in its life. And right now, you may be thinking, man, Vic, that's my life. My life is ugly. My life looks like it's a bunch of bare sticks. What's God doing in my life? He's pruning you. The fruit will come. See, when they prune the branches, what they leave, do is they leave one or, two, one or two bud renewal spurs so that all the, the energy and all the, 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 the nutrients and everything will go to those vines. Why? Because they'll produce more fruit. But I want you to tell you that it hurts to be pruned, but God is more interested in your growth than he is your comfort. And maybe for some of you, God has spiritually been pruning you, verse 3 in John 15. When you read his word, that's, you know, a lot of times I, I, I talk to people and they don't read the Bible because they don't like what it says because they don't want to do what it says to do. Because they found their identity and their victim mentality, and, and that's not what it's saying. And he prunes you through your relationships, and he prunes you through your circumstances, because you're the branch, and Father God is the gardener, and he wants to make you the most fruitful branch possible, but you've got to trust God. And the second thing that I want to unpack, that Jesus is the vine. Jesus is where true life is found. I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me, Christ says. I am. Jesus said that you might have life and life more abundantly. And John 15 tells us that as the branches, we must abide or remain. Everybody say abide. In the vine. It's interesting because in, in 11 verses, the first 11 verses of John 15, he says 10 times to abide or remain in the vine. So I think if he said it 10 times, in 11 verses, he's trying to get something through our thick noggins about the necessity of abiding or remaining or trusting in Jesus. So what does abide and remain mean? It means to be attached. And not just attached, but a 100% attached to me. See, we as Christians and we've been doing it for thousands of years, we make the word remain or abide more complicated by adding all kinds of, of levels of definitions to get the possible meanings. And, and Jesus, I, I read the gospel and it's very simple. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide or stay attached to me, you'll produce fruit. That's how simple this is, folks. So it causes us, where is my relationship with Christ? I mean, let's, let's be real. Where is my relationship with Jesus. I pray, but do I really pray? I read the Bible, but do I really read the Bible? I worship, I say I worship, but I, I really worship. Let me ask you a question. How long can a branch live if unattached or even partially unattached to the vine? Agriculturists say not a single moment. The branch needs to be fully attached to the vine all the time. 
Either you can die an immediate death or you can die a slow death. Isn't that what Revelation said? He's talking to the church. And he said, I would wish you'd neither be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spit you, vomit you, regurgitate you out of my mouth. See, Jesus doesn't intend this truth to be difficult to understand. Jesus says, read my word. We need to read it every day. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against me. Psalm 119 verse 11. Make this word a part of your everyday life. Talk to me every day. Make it a part of your everyday life. Thank me every day. Be thankful for every day for the things that are in your life. These are all choices from which we make to abide. But these habits mean nothing if you practice them in isolation. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever seen a grapevine? How many of y'all have ever seen a cluster or a bunch of grapes? How many of y'all have ever seen a grapevine or a cluster with just one grape? Unless you ate them all off the cluster of the grape, all right. Come on, the grapes grow in clusters. They grow in bunches, amen? And it's interesting because the significance of staying attached to the vine is we can't practice them in isolation. Our devotional habits are staying connected to the vine, there is something even more important. And let me tell you, we have totally redesigned 21 Days of Pray First. It will be something that will carry on through the year. It will be different than you've ever seen. We're excited about it. But, but it's going to take a cluster mentality for us to, to not only maintain what we're doing in life, but what God wants to do. But we're not doing it by ourselves. But there's a deep connection, listen to me, between abiding in Christ and love. And it's vital that you understand this, living the relationship principles in the Bible. John 15, verse 9 and 10, 11 and 12. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Verse, uh, verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this to lay one's life down for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command man we're not meant to do life alone our small group one of our small groups Lisa Waddle's small group this is from South Park staff FLF small group thanks so much for thinking about us we always enjoy getting surprises and then it said, you made my day, but it said, you made our day, South Park staff. Give Lisa and her group a great big hand clap. But you know what is that? It's not doing life alone. If I'm going to keep Jesus' commandments, I'm going to abide and remain and stay attached to his love. And what's the command? What is the command that Jesus is focused on? on? To love one another. To love one another in your response to his love for you. It's what the word was. We've got to show people how to love. The fathers have to show people how to love the father. Because without love, there's no possibility of staying attached to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus in your daily life. But with love, the love that you experience going out to others guarantees that connection. So as I close, 
you cannot have a Christian marriage without abiding in Christ. You can be a Christian, and you can be married, but that doesn't mean you have a Christ-honoring, Christ-centered, Christ-like marriage without depending on Christ. I'm going to tell you, save the date, 26th of February. We're doing another couples marriage seminar, and we have Casey Wolf coming in. Casey Wolf is a men's pastor, Don, Don Mears, and his wife is a marriage therapist, and they're coming in to do our next couples marriage seminar on the 26th of February. It'll be limited on, on space, just like it was last time. But we're going to teach you how to, how to be abiding in Christ in your marriage. Being one. Being one. I did a wedding a couple weeks ago at Moberly Prison. and It was the uniquest thing. And Chaplain Tom, who's the prison chaplain, he could, he could verify it. But the last wedding that I did, it was a girl that drove all the way from the panhandle of Oklahoma. And uh, through a serious thing, her wedding almost didn't happen. And they brought her, her fiancé, her husband, up from the hole. And uh, he was behind the glass, shackled. We grabbed the phone and we're sharing it. And, and he begins reading his vows. And she just starts crying. He starts crying. And at the end of the wedding, I wasn't thinking because I, I didn't want him to kiss the glass because that's nasty. But I, 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 said, I said, blow each other a kiss. So she lifts her hands up. But what was bad was he was shackled. So he couldn't get his head down and his hand up. So I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. But, but, but Chaplain Tom asked her this question. He said, was it worth it? She said, yes. And I told her, I said, statistics are against you. You're going to have to work at it. Ephesians 5 and 6. You can't run a Christian business or be in a Christian employee without abiding in Christ. You can't be a Christian parent like we read for Zeal's dedication without abiding in Christ. You can't be a Christian friend. And true biblical friendship is you never expect anything out of the other person, but you're there totally to give them everything of your life, never expecting. That's what Christ did. He gave us everything, never expecting anything from return without abiding in Christ. Because if you try, guess what? You're going to end up frustrated and tired. And I'm going to close with this. Jesus said, abide in me. And when you do, I'll abide in you. That's the promise. And the promise is you'll bear fruit. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And isn't it amazing? Verse 17. Seven words. This is my commandment. Love each other. Love each other. This fruit has eternal impact and a lasting joy. It's not a temporary notoriety fruit, a fleeting achievement fruit. Because you can't become like Christ apart from Christ. 
And some of you need to practice. This is a word for some of you. When you go into a restaurant, we know that it's hard hiring help. You go into a convenience store, you go into a thing. Guess what? Just go in and God's testing you to practice patience. Don't get upset with the waitress. Don't get upset with the team. It's the culture we live in. Just be patient. Maybe God's slowing us down to pray for that person, to smile at that person. You can't become like Christ without Christ. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. But when you abide in Christ, you can't help but bear fruit. So every head bowed, every eye closed. The question that I want to ask you is, are, are you attached? Are you attached to Father God? through Jesus is your life as a Christian bearing eternal lasting fruit so the first thing is are you attached to Christ really attached 100% in this thing have you given your whole heart if you haven't done that just say dear Jesus I ask you right now Lord I give you my failures my guilt my shame Lord, I'm attaching my life to yours. And Jesus at that moment will graft you into his life. It's called born again. It's called being saved. It's believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. And you just pray that simple prayer. And in that moment, all the angels in heaven are shouting your name. God is writing your name in the Lamb's book of life. When you say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. I don't get it all. I don't have much left. Man, I'm pretty dry and brittle. But as soon as, as soon as you attach, all of a sudden that life will begin infusing your life. And then as a Christian, I have to look at my life. Am I really attached? Am I really abiding and remaining in the vine? Is my life really all in for Jesus? 100%. Maybe my brittleness my witheredness, my dryness, and my barrenness because I'm not fully attached. Just, just say, Jesus, man, I'm, I'm, graft me back in. 